Welcome to the podcast that is designed to fuel your success in selling technology solutions. I'm your host, Josh Lopresto, SVP of Sales Engineering at Tolaris, and this is Next Level Biz Tech. Everybody, welcome back to another episode. We are on the security track, and today we're talking about the R, and that R is the R in Managed Detection and Response, or you might know of it as MDR. And today we got on a special guest, dear friend, uh, a, a peer in the space that's helped us be extremely successful in the security space, Mr. Elia Cohen, Director over Cybersecurity at AT&T. Elia, welcome on, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. Really excited to be here and talk about uh, this uh, really popular solution out in the industry today. I'm excited. Uh, you know, for the sake of time, we could go on forever with all the great stuff that you guys have over there that I don't think a lot of people know about. But we'll dive into a little bit of that uh, here as we get going. I, I want to kick us off, though, first about you. Uh, you know, personally, we know right now you are the cybersecurity director at AT&T. And we can talk about what that means in a second. But where did you start? Um, wh what's your path? Has it always been tech? Has it always been security? Has it been something completely unrelated? Where did it begin and how did you get here? Yeah, I mean, so in terms of where where I've come from and where I am now, uh, I think I kind of fell into this, for the lack of a better term. Uh, <laughs> as a little kid, I always worked with my mom, uh, helped her with her small business, uh, selling art supplies, and we would go off and do trade shows, and, and that's, I started uh, doing sales at the age of probably about five <laughs> uh, in collaboration with her. A uh, little bit of child labor there, but don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> and so over, over the course of time, I eventually started to move into IT. And when I was at the university uh, getting my bachelor's, I started working for the IT team. And a lot of the cases that I had to work on were uh, malware remediation. So a lot, of, a lot of kids, a lot of students, a lot of faculty and staff would come in with their laptops compromised and somebody had to go figure out what was on, going on, eradicate it, protect their documents, and uh, also tell them what not to do. And uh, I won't get into what not to do here because... Uh, <laughs> family <laughs> show, family show. What's going on over there. Exactly, that, 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 that'll keep, keep PG. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, uh, education is really where uh, it, it helped people get to a better spot. And so as I did that, I started to move into, uh, I got my first job out of college uh, uh, for a security company, uh, more on the engineering side, and eventually started to move back towards sales, uh, uh, probably four or five years into that. And then I've been doing technical sales and cybersecurity sales uh, ever since. And it's been probably a good 15 plus years now. Love it. Love the journey. Um, talk to me about, you know, AT&T is a big name. You know, I, I, I don't think, and, and, you know, when we learned early on, I, I don't think we knew the depth of the practice as it has uh, with security. And, and it's certainly even expanded since we started. But uh, we're going to get into products here, some more depth in products in a little bit. But maybe give me a little, uh, you know, your segment of AT&T and, and your security side. What is that all about? What does that practice entail? thing. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll echo your sentiment that yes, AT&T does have a cybersecurity practice. <laughs> There's an entire organization dedicated to cybersecurity. And uh, the, the little known fact is that it's actually separate from the core business. So uh, everything that we do in terms of cybersecurity is very different from the rest of the uh, AT&T services that, that our uh, partners here may have experience with. So when it comes to the uh, sales, but also operations, product management, delivery, 
everything's completely independent. So that gives us a pretty unique uh, ability to solve for customers' problems uh, in a, a pretty powerful way and really following the industry best practices for cybersecurity versus uh, core AT&T and transport and all that other stuff. So in terms of the cybersecurity uh, practice, we're ranked consistently in the top five uh, globally, uh, MSSPs, uh, so pretty powerful there. Uh, and our focus is really managed services, uh, which is also very relevant to this conversation. Uh, but we also have a great cybersecurity consulting practice. Um, and so when we start to look at uh, MDR and um, the, the different related components that customers need to have in place in order to be successful with that, that's where having a blend of both managed services and consulting services come together. And we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit in this conversation. Love it. Let's talk about Let's paint a picture of what it was like before, uh, maybe one of the early on deals that, that you sold. Walk me through, you know, whenever this was, I, I don't care how long, it, how old it is, how much it dates you, it doesn't matter, let's make it more entertaining, but tell me about one of the first deals that you sold in this, and when, when did that really open your eyes to the idea of, of what we could do in security? Yeah, so I've been in the uh, security space for quite a while now, and uh, I, I've sold... Um, EDR before it even existed uh, and sold uh, kind of the traditional uh, antivirus or uh, endpoint protection solutions and was with an endpoint company when EDR was becoming a thing. And so uh, it was pretty interesting to see the evolution of the technology going from pretty uh, uh, static types of detections, very signature-based detections to the evolution of moving towards machine learning and, and advanced algorithms for detection. And so, as you can imagine back then, it wasn't a perfect science, uh, probably still isn't today, <laughs> but it's a lot better uh, than what it was before. Uh, and uh, when you look at the detections that are being made, uh, it accentuates the amount of resources that are needed to understand what's taking place. So at the time, uh, I was working with a, a fairly large uh, insurance company, and they needed to uh, advance their, 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 their game when it came to protecting their endpoints. And they had stuff all over the place and data centers that they own in the cloud uh, and then all of their uh, end user compute devices that they needed protected. And so uh, pretty common, they had a rather small team of individuals um, that was mostly focused on IT uh, and then a couple of named uh, uh, security persons. And so clearly wasn't enough when it came to uh, being able to manage a solution and look at all the different detections that are taking place 24 by seven. But that was the model back then. The, the M part of DR, MDR uh, didn't really exist then. So we were really selling the point solution. And just like the evolution of the endpoint in its technology to EDR, uh, the market kind of realized that there's a big gap when it comes to the overall 24 by seven monitoring and response capabilities and so this MDR space started to come in. So uh, at the time, we didn't have an MDR solution with that company. So we really just focused on sell, selling them the end product. Uh, but over time, uh, they started to build up more staff uh, and they had a hard time doing that. And fortunately, within a couple of years, they ended up having a service uh, to add the management on top of that. Love it. You bring up a good um, a good point, which is one of my next questions, which is the evolution of this. And so, you know, I, I I think I would love to hear maybe from you a little bit about how this helps the customers see an ROI, uh, but you know, maybe weave in 
you mentioned, you know, this has evolved. It used to be called antivirus, and then it was EDR, and now it's MDR, and there's these other ideas of XDR and, and kind of what's what's coming up next around. But talk to me about, A, how and why has some of this evolved from your perspective in the trenches, and how do you still, no matter what, help a customer see ROI around that? Well, I would say when it comes to cybersecurity, ROI is a dirty term these days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, I would say maybe three, four years ago, ROI was really what people were looking at when making any kind of a business investment. And these days, there's been a, a pretty significant shift in the marketplace of uh, for cybersecurity specifically. And instead of seeing it as, uh, as an investment, it's being seen as an enabler. And so there's less of a focus at the, the C and board level to look at the the dollar gain from investing in an antivirus or other type of security solution. Instead, it's the, the, what they are focusing on is what can we now do as a business? What are we now protecting? How are we becoming more resilient as a business uh, in a landscape where uh, attacks and breaches and uh, uh, data loss is uh, so significant? Do you see, I mean, to, to your point where it did used to be all about ROI, do you see, though, when people come to you for a security need, is it about the ROI at all? Or is it, I have this problem and it's so important, cost is the fourth thing on my list of priorities right now. What's your trend? So there's different types of customers out there. And it, it, you really have to go back to the drivers that are leading this conversation. So anybody that's had a breach will tell you um, outright that they will that, that it's probably the most awful experience that they've ever had and they don't ever want to have that again and they're ready to pay <laughs> a good amount of money to reduce the likelihood of that occurring again so if that takes place they're going to buy everything in the kitchen sink uh, to protect their business so not really looking for an investment they just don't want to go through that again yeah. uh, if you're looking at a customer that has uh, say some other driver uh, cybersecurity insurance is a really common driver these days uh, that will often not just say you have to have a solution to protect your endpoint and to secure it, but they'll actually dictate you need to have an EDR solution. And by the way, you also need that to be managed. So now the customer doesn't really have a choice if they want to have cybersecurity insurance. They have to go buy a managed EDR service somewhere, somehow, <laughs> come up with that. They can't check that box and they're going to put their policy at risk. And sometimes they may start to wonder, do I really want cybersecurity insurance? And then they start to realize, well, that contract that we have with this, with one of our customers uh, is dictating that we have to protect their data by X. And the only way that we can have money tied up to allow for that is just by having an insurance policy. So then they're pretty much being forced down that path. Um, and for, for us, it's great in sales to be able to have customers that have those those strong requirements, but it's also really good for customers because having a solution uh, in place is is really key, and this is one of the, the the most important elements of protecting endpoints. You know, you bring up a good point. I mean, sometimes I think when we get in, we uncover the situation of what they really need. We just ask that we just want them to do something. I think that's the overall idea with part of a security strategy is that. Yeah, you can't, you know, you, you could spend 80 of your 80 percent of your time covering 20 percent or you're going to spend 20 percent covering 80 percent. Right. E either way. And I think when you have to look at it, we just want them to walk away and do something and make some progress to that point. So, yeah, I, I think we're just happy now that 
their hands are forced to some extent, but it really just, it requires them to take a long look at it. And I think we've found the same thing, you know, 70% of the IT's responsibility has been IT. And then they've maybe done, you know, security 30% of the time and they still just need help. Even before all this craziness, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a massive shortage in security when, when employment and all those things were normalized. So good points. So, all right, let's spend a little bit of time here unpacking the AT&T product set. Uh, if this podcast were a three-hour podcast, we could probably do it because you guys have so much good <laughs> stuff in there. Um, but if if I if we try to make a decision here for the sake of time, uh, we could talk framework building, we, to your point, more services, CMMC compliance, readiness, you know, the MDR products that you guys have, pen test, there's security awareness training. Maybe boil this down for me. Let's let's start with the top three, maybe the top four. What's the first product that you want to talk about so that we can make sure that everybody understands it from your side? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, the, uh, there's really two focuses in the portfolio. One is managed security services. The second is security consulting. And uh, and we, we have a number of solutions in both of those areas. Uh, so when it comes to protecting assets, uh, whether it's your users, your endpoints, um, or your applications and data, we have solutions that span across all of that. Uh, when you start to look at, at consulting, it's kind of the weaving fabric uh, for the managed services. So even though uh, we might be providing a, a managed firewall or a managed endpoint solution, uh, there's usually some thought that has to go through in how to do that effectively. And is that enough? Do we need more? Are there other things that we should be doing or could be doing? And what are the pros and cons of doing that and the risk that we're managing with that? And that's really where consulting comes into play. Uh, getting a good sense of kind of the assessment, the framework that you mentioned uh, of uh, what we could do, should do, and how does this align to industry best practices? And when you start to look at the different regulations that are out there, uh, this could be just uh, a self-initiative that the, a business could have, or it could be a, uh, a regulated and mandated uh, like PCI or uh, CMMC or uh, any one of the other uh, uh, regulations out there. So, so if we if we go over what you just mentioned again, and we do a little bit of kind of vendor soup, OEM soup, I think that's where sometimes the, the asks come from the customer side. So if we think about, I'm just going to, We'll speed date this for a second, but if we talk about obviously frameworks, if we talk about what frameworks we're building out, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's NIST, it doesn't matter if it's CIS, you guys have expertise to build out any of those and, and any others that I missed in there that you want to cover? Yeah, uh, HIPAA, high trust, uh, pretty much the, the ISO, SOC 2, uh, pretty much all of the different types of initiatives for security that you can think of, we can support. Uh, and provide the assessment services as well as some of the remediations uh, and uh, fill in some of the gaps, whether it's with more consulting services or with um, with the managed security services. Okay. Um, how about from an awareness training? Is there a specific software, specific manufacturer that you guys have had a lot of success with or ones that, that, that you tout? Yeah, so we have a couple of tools that we have in place, uh, uh, one from Health Systems, one from uh, Orion. So uh, those are kind of our two leading uh, solutions. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say that there's a lot of folks out there that, uh, that already have security awareness training, uh, but what they're doing with it, how that weaves into maybe some of the other services that they could be or should be doing. Uh, so typically, if you have training, that's great. 
but you should also be doing some fishing simulation. If you have fishing simulation, you should sometimes start thinking about getting social engineering and getting an actual human to your locations. Uh, so thinking about that and then starting to then test the environment with uh, penetration testing to then test the defenses that are in place, which could also potentially indirectly test some of the users. All of that kind of in concert is how we can start to look at solutioning for a customer versus just give them that one widget of, say, uh, the, the security awareness training. And from a from a pen testing perspective, let, let's let's lump in here pen testing and vulnerability assessments for a second. Uh, is it safe to say that whether we need external IPs just scanned to see if we have any open vulnerabilities versus even inside application level, uh, we, we could carve out a program for you to come in and, and, and scope out all of those, right? Internal, external, everything, everything adjacent. Absolutely, and I, I'll, I'll, I can't stress this enough that uh, uh, our partners here don't have to understand all this stuff <laughs> when it comes to penetration testing and all the different uh, nuances to it and different types. Uh, but yes, we do have the internal, external application, API. Uh, we can even do source code reviews uh, if we're build, doing the building blocks. So uh, really kind of anything that, that a customer may need to test uh, that their resiliency, we can support with. Okay. Um, one of the last couple here, maybe talk about MDR and then, uh, you know, firewalls, both web app and, and prem and, and cloud, things like that. So from an MDR perspective, that, that important, you know, that, that important technology to isolate whatever happens at the edge, at the endpoint server, um, device, what are some of the MDR tool sets that you guys like, uh, that you've seen good results out of? Yeah, so there's only uh, one that we really lead with here uh, within our portfolio, and that's with Sentinel One. Uh, and so we have a very large partnership with Sentinel One. Uh, they're a leading uh, EDR uh, solution in the industry, um, and so so that's what we focus on for EDR on the network side. Uh, Again, Alphabet Soup, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. for all of the different uh, providers that are out there from uh, Fortinet, to Cisco, Palo Alto, uh, Checkpoint, Meraki, pretty much you name it, we have it. And then we offer it in a managed service uh, fashion. Uh, and so as we start to look at this problem, though, the, the thing to keep in mind for both the endpoint and the network is that it's evolved significantly in the last few years where... There, there really is no border. Uh, there, there's no edge anymore. The edge is kind of the internet. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, and the users are on the internet when they're at home, they're at a, at, at a customer's office. If they're at our, uh, at, at a, you know, using resources, a data center, SaaS, uh, their endpoints are kind of everywhere. Their endpoint types can also differ uh, from your typical laptop workstation to now we can do so much with our, mobile devices and tablets. Uh, so you have to start thinking, how do I protect from an anti-malware perspective, all of these different endpoints, wherever they are? And then how do I also protect the internet and web traffic for all of these endpoints, whatever they are, wherever they are? So it's, a, it's, a, it's a new evolution. And there's a lot of businesses out there that, uh, that are making shifts, both uh, the initial first phase shift that we maybe saw with some customers a few years back moving to uh, traditional SD-WAN solutions. Um, and now we have customers that, that had SD-WAN that are moving to SASE. Uh, and we have some that are just moving straight there that maybe didn't have that intermediary step of SD-WAN. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of projects out there and a lot of ways to make some good money on this. 
Great stuff. All right, speed dating round over. Uh, and I know we just we, we, we probably skipped over a whole bunch of good stuff, but uh, I think it, it shows people the depth of what you have. It's not just about, to your point, the, the point solution. It's about what you do with those results, what you take action on, what best practices we recommend after, because anybody can sell a point solution. Um, so this isn't about that. I think that's why you guys have had such good success, because you see that it's in the services, it's in the results, it's in the, it's in the skills and the people. So great stuff. Okay. Let's let's talk about uh, you know rather than roses and rainbows. Let's talk about the difficult parts. Let's talk about the sales process. Um, help me walk through if you have a hurdle. I mean, we've all been in those conversations with customers where they just don't think that they need help. Um, how do you? I guess what's what's your strategy in the conversation, or what do you recommend for the partners listening to this that? You know, I, I know we're telling them they don't need to be experts. We've got a, a plethora of amazing engineers and architects, our team, your team, that can help them with this, that are there every single step of the way. But when you're in a discussion and, and you're you're being asked to come on this call, how do you help get through that that customer that just doesn't quite see that they need help? What's your, what's your go-to talk track there? Uh, so I would say that everybody needs help. Everybody out there needs help when it comes to cybersecurity. There's not... There, there's not, not, there isn't one single thing that you could be doing, uh, and uh, I, I've yet to find a customer that tells me that they have adequate tools and personnel uh, 24 by 7 to go solve all their needs. So that being said, uh, typically when I hear customers uh, indicating that they don't need help, that they have things under control, uh, or that they, um, they, they don't need a particular solution, uh, typically, it's it's more indicative of maturity, and so, oftentimes, instead of maybe trying to push or or recommend, uh, say MDR or, or uh, a Simmons SOC uh, solution, that might just be too advanced for the customer. They haven't done some of their table stake items, like know what's in their environment. Do you have an asset management solution? Do you know what all the devices are that are communicating on your network? Uh, do you know where they are? <laughs> Uh, do you know what kinds of vulnerabilities exist on your network? Do you have a tool that's continually monitoring for that? Are you patching your devices? Do you have a tool that helps you patch, or do you go off onesies, twosies uh, to the different endpoints within uh, the environment? And yes, people still do that, uh, and they, they think that they're very secure because they haven't had a breach. Uh, it, but that's indicative of their maturity and maybe where we can help to not uh, shift away what we know they need most but to help them where it hurts the most right now, which is that day-to-day -day administration that prevents them from seeing all the other things that they could be or should be doing. Love it. Uh, all right, I wanna get into the last couple points here as we wrap this up. An example, so we talked about in the beginning, one of the examples that you saw, one of the deals that you worked, how you helped them through that. Get me through a, a situation here where, you know, maybe you got brought in hey, Elia, the situation in the environment looks like this, and you get in and find out it's something completely different. Maybe you got in and, and it's exactly what you said, but maybe just walk us through a situation that you were in where you guys were able to add a lot of value, but really what was the tech that you pulled out or what was the business problem and, and what kind of solutions did you end up putting in? Sure. So I'll cover a, uh, a healthcare customer. They were doing, uh, and still are, uh, they're doing um, clinical research using big data uh, in the cloud, and they're using multiple cloud platforms. Uh, yes, they're a startup, so uh, they're running fast, very nimble, 
not a lot of personnel that are running the business. Everybody's focused on building the technology. Pretty, pretty typical for mm -hmm. a startup. So uh, they were probably about two to three years in when we started talking. And it was pretty clear uh, right from the get-go that they, they needed to do something more. And, and the good news is that they had hired a, uh, a security director to build out a practice and to uh, hire some resources, but also uh, assess and figure out what tools to bring in and how to, how to protect the business. Um, so they, this, this individual started to look at the environment, saw that they needed, uh, they needed to consolidate on an endpoint uh, solution. Uh, they had multiple uh, anti-malware types of technologies in place, some that came free with the system, some that didn't because, you know, it's a Mac, so it doesn't need protection. Right. Just kidding for those that don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so he decided to start working with us on that. And then meanwhile, because of all their different environments, they started to realize they needed some help to get a better sense of what's out there. Uh, and so we started to look at uh, both uh, the some vulnerability management capabilities, as well as uh, more of the SIM and SOC uh, as a service. And since we were talking about that, we started to ask them what would happen if an incident takes place, who would actually be responsible for uh, carrying forward, not the response, but the remediation, the eradication of, of the malware that's in place, and also making sure that things are forensically sound if, if a law enforcement type of agent uh, investigation needs to take place. And of course, they didn't really have anything like that in place. So the, what the solution turned into was uh, an MDR with Sentinel-1, uh, Simmons Talk of the Service with uh, Alien Vault, uh, Managed Vulnerability with Qualys, and then also uh, our Incident Response and Forensics Retainer. And before we even got a chance to stand up any of these services, we got, I got a phone call personally <laughs> late on a Friday of, I think something's going on uh -oh. and I need some help. <laughs> and so uh, fortunately we had had the incident response retainers established and, and um, transacted. So I immediately called our consulting team uh, that runs incident response and got some resources over there. And they were right. They had their, uh, their, uh, APIs that were managing all of their big data of clinical data, including PII, was being targeted and was pretty loose in the way that it was uh, open to the world. So we quickly helped them close that down, helped them with some uh, source code analysis and application uh, analysis to understand how to best resolve this longer term and, uh, and then get them back on track. And then of course, in parallel, we started to, to work on getting the, the endpoints deployed, the SIMs deployed, and it wasn't probably more than another uh, couple months before they had another uh, attack that we detected this time Oof. using our MDR services targeting their O365 environment, all their users. It's mostly their executive staff, uh, but ultimately uh, the investigations that we did uh, came and surfaced that their uh, Office 365 policies were fairly lenient in allowing adversaries to just communicate with their employees uh, a little bit too directly. Mm. So uh, really having things uh, thought through around uh, the different areas that, that are related to an MDR uh, are pretty important and having the right uh, partners in there with you to have that conversation, whether it's the Tolaris team, the engineering team, or, or bringing us in to talk to the customer and making sure that 
we're we're touching all the areas leading up to the the MDR offering and beyond. Love it. Boom. Uh, if I had a mic drop sound effect, I would play it right now. It's a great example, but but it's really typical. I mean, that's exactly why we do this. It's exactly why we need the solutions that we have out there from our vendors like yourself, because without that, we would not be able to solve these problems. So nice work. Uh, excited to keep keep doing more of those. Great stuff. All right, so as we get to the end of this here, I think we've established the point of what the title of this is, is, you know, why is the R so important, right? The remediation, the response, because it's not, things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. We're not defined by the quantity of things that happen. Just like in life, we're defined by uh, how we respond to those things and what we learn and how we get better. And so definitely, I think we've, we've called out the fact that people still need help. There are gaps all over the place, no matter how mature the organization is. So we have to work to find those. So awesome stuff. I think you really put a bow on that. Final thoughts here. So if we, and, and this is a hard space to look out more than 12 months, more than 24 months, but if we grab our crystal ball and in, in Elia's humble opinion, as we look out, I don't know, let's call it 12, 24 months. What do we think changes? Does, does the, does the agenda change? Do the strategies change as to how we help customers with this? What do the products change? What do you see happening? Or, you know, what do you want to caution partners or give advice to partners for over the next, uh, next little while? Yeah, I would say that uh, in the next 12 to 24 months, uh, security is still going to be a focus. There's still going to be a lot of, uh, of folks that are going to be uh, increasing their level of maturity. Uh, so understanding where your customers are, where some of their gaps are, uh, understanding what drives their business is going to be really important. So if, if there's some, some final words that I can share around uh, uh, what partners could be doing with their customers, doing what they do best, have a business conversation. Talk to them about what their business is, what their core competencies are, uh, what makes them viable as a business. Uh, how they're utilizing technology to uh, drive their business and start to uncover some of the risks of what if your technology went down? What if your data was compromised? What if your operations weren't able to continue forward? And have you thought through how to mitigate some of those risks? So really the focus I think should be around risk management. Uh, and what you'll uncover is that some customers have a risk management practice in place. Some don't. Some have varying levels of it. And talking to them in that type of a tone will start to uh, get them to be more open-ended around the responses that you're going to get, which then will open you up to a lot more opportunities versus, versus just widget selling. Love it. Okay. Good stuff. All right. Uh, well, man, hey, kudos to you, what you're doing, what you're building on the security practice. We appreciate everything over there. You know, big kudos for uh, for Kelly Owasini, you know, making sure that we really got a good understanding of everything that AT&T has to offer. You know, we got a lot of big advocates of your guys internally. So I, I uh, appreciate you coming on and doing this with me, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Great conversation and uh, looking forward to some of the, the momentum that we get after this. All right. Good stuff. Okay, everybody, that wraps us up for today. I'm your host, Josh Lepresto, SVP of Sales Engineering, Elliot Cohen, Cybersecurity Director at AT&T. This is Next Level BizTech. Until next time. Next Level BizTech has been a production of Tolera Studio 19. Please visit Tolaris.com for more information.